today on Real Life Radio. There's something about the Bible that only the Bible can bring comfort. And when we refuse the Bible, do you know what we do? When we refuse the Bible for comfort, we pick up the means of the world. We go after the things of the world. We try to find comfort in the things of the world. And listen, for those of you who are Christian, if you try to go back to the world to try to find comfort, it doesn't happen. Welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Jack Hibbs. I'm David J. thanking you for joining us today as we listen, learn, and are challenged by God's Word, the Bible. On today's edition of Real Life Radio, Pastor Jack now continues his series called The Gospel of Luke with a message called What to Do When Jesus Calls. Now, the Gospel of Luke is a series that gives us both the humanity and the divinity of Jesus himself, as only Luke, the physician, really could. Here in chapter 5, we'll find Jesus teaching the Word of God and performing more miracles for those in need of healing. You see, the people loved to hear Jesus teach along the shore of Galilee. Many responded to his call, including Peter and the disciples. They were attracted by the beauty of what was being said. Jesus was giving them what they needed back then and what we still need today, to see and hear the heart of God. So today, on this part of the message, Pastor Jack goes on to say that from the vantage point of the boat, Jesus could be seen and heard more clearly. The connection now became more personal and the crowd could experience more of him. Whether privately or publicly, Jesus wants us to know his very being, his plan, his desires. Now in his message called, What to Do When Jesus Calls, here's pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs. Father, we come to you this morning, and Lord, without you touching us, we don't even have to offer up a couple of fish or a few loaves of bread even. Lord, unless you give us that, we're bankrupt today. Lord, you are so wonderful. And Lord, I pray this morning that for any who might be in here today, that you are just some sort of a weekend God, that you're some sort of a recreational God, that they might see you as a, a God for convenience sake. Oh Lord, this morning we invite you to shake it up. Lord, to take hold of our hearts and cause us to never be the same today. And we know that only you can do that. And I know that's a big prayer, but it's nothing in comparison to how big you are. So Lord, we have our Bibles open and our hearts are ready. By your spirit, Lord, allow us to get into what took place 2,000 years ago on the Galilean shores. For, Lord, we would desire today to behold Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Grab your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. The ushers will give you one. We want you to study along with us in the Bible. Luke chapter 5 this morning, we're marching along through Luke, and it's been a couple of months now, and we've made it all the way to chapter 5. We're doing great at this breakneck speed, you know. But we are in verses 1 through 11 this morning, and it's a very exciting portion of Scripture, as is the Bible. But uh, while you're turning there, you know that Jesus has been doing great miracles, and greater than the miracles has been his teaching. You can only imagine what it must have been like to hear Jesus teach. And the people love to hear him teach, as we have been learning that in the area of Capernaum and uh, the Galilee, uh, my goodness, in a matter of weeks, we're all going to be, I mean, not all of us, I wish all of us were going to be there. Many of us are going to be there in these various spots. And Jesus was there teaching and the power of God's word is going out. Yes, there were miracles. 
And that was fantastic, but nothing compared to the truth that Christ was giving to all those who would listen. But not only listen to what he had to say, but to respond to his call. When God calls us, what should we do? And maybe this morning in your life, you've never quite had the opportunity. You've never been given the opportunity, or maybe you've never been challenged to respond to Christ personally. Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. He is your personal God. Not in a recreational way, not in a convenience way. The Bible tells us that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to the glory of God the Father. The Bible tells us that from Genesis to Revelation, it's all about Jesus. In the book of Hebrews and in Psalms chapter 40, the Bible tells us that behold, in the volume of the book, it is written of me about Christ. Over and over again, the prophets spoke about Christ. And now in our gospel, Jesus is here. And he's on the shores of Galilee and he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and he's performing great signs and wonders to back up the word given and people are coming to know him personally. But the question is, what will you do when Christ calls you? As we shall see this morning in his calling of several disciples. Chapter five, verse one. So it was, Luke tells us, that the multitude pressed about him to hear, listen to, listen to the reason why, to hear the word of God. And then he stood on the lake of Gennesaret, or Galilee, and saw two boats standing by the lake, uh, but the fishermen had gone from them. They were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, that's Simon Peter, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master... We have toiled all night long and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when he had done this, they caught a great number of fish and the net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and they filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. And so when they had brought their boats to shore, they forsook, forsook all and followed him. What a great, great moment. Don't you wish we had this on video? <laughs> the boat, boats, plural, getting loaded up with fish, fish flopping around, gasping for breath, stacking higher and higher, and the boats begin to sink lower and lower. Jesus is here, and he's going to change their lives. And the things the Bible says in Romans chapter 15, verse 4, that have, written, that have been written aforetime have been written for our learning. So church, I want you to put your little beanie on and thinking cap on and be... Asking God, how does this relate to me in my life today? Why did God the Holy Spirit put this tremendous event in the Bible? How does it translate to me now, 2,000 years down the road? For the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's alive. And he wants to move in our lives. First point I want you to see this morning as we begin to look at this more closely and look at these 11 verses. And we're asking, really, what, 
impact it can have on our lives. The title of the message is what to do when Jesus calls, because that's what we see him doing. He's coming along and he's calling out not only to a multitude of people on the shoreline, but to Peter himself. So really, what do we do? What to do when Jesus calls? I'm just going to give you three things this morning, three points uh, that can be our basic foundation to responding to the call of Christ. The first one's found in verses one to three, and that is to listen to what he is saying to us. We need to listen to what Jesus is saying. And you say, well, Pastor Jack, you're putting that in the present tense. I'm doing that for a reason. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. The Bible says that Jesus said the Holy Spirit will teach us, even us today, whatsoever he has taught those of old. It's the Spirit of God at work. So when we talk about listening to Jesus, we need to be listening to what he's saying to us. I believe God is speaking over and over again in the Bible. Uh, the Bible speaks about the word of God being preeminent. In John chapter 17, verse 14, Jesus said, I have given them your word. Jesus was praying and speaking to the Father, and he was talking about the disciples. And he didn't say, I gave them the gift of healing, though that's wonderful. He didn't say, I gave them the gift of this or the gift of that, though that's glorious. He said, I gave them your word. It's the word of God that's preeminent. It's the word of God that you have open in your lap right now. Why? Because it's the word of God that changes our lives. When Jesus speaks to us, he will use the word of God. How do we know that when God the Father speaks or the Holy Spirit or Christ himself is speaking? It is by the word of God. He uses the Bible. So when Jesus calls us, he's going to use the Bible when he speaks to us. John chapter 17, again, verse 17 Jesus says to the Father, sanctify them by your truth, for your word is truth. In 1 John 2, 14, John says, I have written unto you fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. And I have written unto you young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives within you, and you have overcome Satan. 1 John 5, 7 says, for there is three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. So you've got Jesus speaking the word of God on the shores of Galilee. You've got the power of the Holy Spirit working among the people. And you've got this act of divine grace taking place under the auspices and the watchful eye of God the Father from above. And so we need to be listening to what Christ is saying. And why? For what reason? Why do we want as Christians to listen to the very word of God? I'm going to give you three things. Number one, jot this down. It's this. We want to listen because we want to hear the mind of God. We want to hear his mind on any matter. If you're not a Christian this morning, listen carefully to what I'm about to say. Christian, listen up. For those of us who are Christians, we want to know what God's will is for our lives. Now, we know in the general sense of God's will. The Bible says, for example, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to eternal life. God doesn't want anybody to die and go to hell. Another thing, God desires that we might know his grace. His grace is the word, his unmerited favor. God wants to bestow upon any man or woman who will cry out to God, his favor. You want to uh, think of another word is, uh, remember teacher's pet? Oh, look at them, they're teacher's pet. And th that held a lot of animosity because somebody was favored in the class. You know what I mean? That little kid couldn't do anything wrong. They were teacher's pet. Well, take that kind of logic about being singled out. God says, I want to do that to you by my grace. I want to make you absolutely special. And there's no doubt in my mind that each and every one of us would want to be special in the mind of God. That's his will. His affection, he likes to pour out upon us. 
He also wants us to know his will about what to do in life. And that's where this consideration comes in, that we might hear the mind of God. We are just mere people, but God has given us his inerrant word, and we can know the very mind of God when we read the Bible, if we read the Bible. His word is alive, and it speaks to us. The book of Hebrews tells us that his word is alive and sharper than any two-edged sword, discerning between our thoughts and the intents of our hearts. It's able to discern the very motive in which we live, God's word. So I want to know what his mind is on something. Listen to this, verse 1. So it was, as Luke puts it, as the multitude pressed about him. Notice, they didn't press about him because he had given them food. They didn't press on him because he was handing out freebies. They pressed upon him to hear the word of God. What's implied right here is at the Galilee, what is implied is that they're calling out, Jesus, teach us. Teach us, Jesus. Tell us more. Isn't that awesome? Did you come here today because you want to hear more about the word, more about God, more about his nature, more about his heart, more about his mind? Tell us more, Jesus. Lord, tell us more. And so as they were pressing upon him, this is a great word, they were crushing him. Can you imagine? Now watch this. God is so cool because if you've been there, the lake is beautiful and very calm at the right time of the year. The shoreline is pretty... uh, rugged in that it's not rocky so much as it ascends upward quickly. You could be, by the way, on the shore and have a group of people sitting on the, on the, uh, the bank of the Galilee, and it's like a perfect amphitheater. Only one thing better than that is to get out into the water and speak to the people from a boat because the water amplifies the sound waves to a vast host of people. Josephus tells us that it's not uncommon for someone to actually be on the water and speak to a crowd of nearly 100,000 people without amplification. That's hard to believe, but you got to be there. The Galilee to this day is extremely quiet, very peaceful, and pretty much left undeveloped. So here's Jesus on the shoreline and the people are pressing and meaning. And we we may have seen this before in our own lives uh, in situations when the crowd starts pushing, you run out of beach. That happens to us at the baptisms every year. We start baptizing people and you guys keep moving closer until the pastors are about halfway between here and Catalina, you know. (laughs) And we got to say, get back, get back. We don't have a boat to get into. Jesus is being pressed. The word is crushed against the shore. He's being crushed against the water. And so he makes a call for Peter to bring his boat. And this is a very wonderful thing because as he speaks, people want to know the mind of God. And look, it's in every one of us. Did you know that? You may be here today and you don't even know Jesus, but you're you're pursuing religious things. Why are you hungry for religious things? Why are you hungry for spiritual things? Listen, why do people go and invest in palm readers and seances and crystal balls and Ouija boards and all that stuff. And they're hungry for spiritual things. Those are all terrible things because they can be demonically energized and false. But why do people pursue those things? Because down deep inside in every one of our hearts is a desire, is a hunger to know something about the spiritual realm. And so Jesus is speaking, revealing the heart or the mind of God, I should say, and people are responding and they're loving it. And so they're pressing against him. And uh, 
a great thing begins to happen as he's calling out to them. Look at verses two and three. We see the very heart of God. And Jesus saw two boats standing by the lake, two boats not being used. And, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. This means that the night had come to an end. It's now morning or mid-morning hours. They're mending their nets so they're not using their boats. It's pretty easy to understand. You can picture it in your mind. Verse 3 says, Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's boat, and he asked him to put him out a little bit from the shore, from the land. Okay? He's going to use it as a pulpit, a floating pulpit. And it's a smart thing to do there. And he's giving them the word of God. They were attracted to the word, and Jesus wanted to give them the word. And I just want to point this out to you. If he would have stayed on the shore, you guys, it would have been the exposure uh, of the word to just a few. You know what I mean by that? If he would have been standing on the shore, not in the water, there would have been those lucky enough to have been close to him, right? It would have been a vast multitude removed from him. He gets in the boat so that he can address them all. And there's something amazing about that, about public interaction when it comes to speaking. If you're right up front and right in the face of others, you're limited. And you'll only reach a few. That's great, but you'll only reach a few. In this case, there are thousands hungering for Jesus and the word. When he launches out into the boat to get away from them and uses the moment to bring to them the word of God, note this, his desire to get the word out to every person is a blessing. Number two, he's meeting their need to hear from God Almighty. They want to know. The great thing about this is when Jesus is out in the boat, all of a sudden, if you've ever had that interaction between a, a, a public speaker or in an audience, uh, as he's removed and the word is carried, it's the message that brings them back together. You might say, well, gosh, Jack, he's 30, maybe 30, 40 yards away from the people. How can, he's not any closer now. Oh, proximity physically is not the point. When he speaks the word of God to them, there's a connection. And that happens even in here. I could come down and get away from the microphone and the podium and come over here and reach maybe a hundred of you over here. But I would be missing the thousands or plus on this side. Jesus is speaking and there's a connection. And when the Holy Spirit's moving, Jesus is speaking and out of all those thousands of people, those people now began to feel like they were the only one there. Have you ever been in that kind of a setting when the Bible's going out, being taught, and you feel like you're the only one there? I remember the first night I ever heard the gospel in my life, ever. Greg Laurie was given the gospel and I felt like in that room of thousands of people, I was the only one there, that he was speaking from that place to my heart. And I knew I needed Jesus. He begins to reveal the very heart of God. We want to listen to hear what he's saying to us because Christ reveals the heart of God and that is to get the word out to the people. In Psalm 107, verses 19 to 21, Psalm 107, 19 to 21, the psalmist says that the people cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Have you ever done that? And he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and he delivered them from their destructions. There's something about the Bible that only the Bible can bring comfort. And when we refuse the Bible, do you know what we do? When we refuse the Bible for comfort, we pick up the means of the world. We go after the things of the world. We try to find comfort in the things of the world. And listen, for those of you who are Christian, if you try to go back to the world to try to find comfort, it doesn't happen. And I, I know if that's where you're at today, you're miserable. I'm so glad you were miserable. <laughs> Why? Man, you were made for heaven now. You love God and you got the word of God, but you know, you kind of backslid away and you're not 
receiving, you're not reading the word, you're not following God, you stumble in here today and you've been trying to get comfort from the world. Just one more beer, one more snort, one more flake or one more, I don't know what it is. <laughs> one more thing, one more fling, one more deal. If I just make one more buck, I'll be okay. But because you're a Christian, God is just holding his blessings back. And no matter what you've done, your, your well is dry. What's he doing to you? I think he hates me. He doesn't hate you. He's getting your attention. Why? Because the Bible says he sends his word and he heals you with his word. How is it that you can talk to somebody that's on the brink of suicide and you give them the Bible and they begin to calm down? It's awesome. He sent his word and he healed them. Jesus is giving the people the word of God. Notice that his ministry is not to make them wealthy, healthy, and wise. It's to first give them the word of God. And he's given it to them. Another thing, not only the mind and the heart of God, but look at this. We want to listen because we want to experience more of God. It says, and he sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. Here's that word again that we learned last week. The word in the Greek, didasko. He taught them line by line, precept upon precept, verse by verse, the Bible. He taught them the Old Testament scriptures that you have in your lap. And he taught a great or vast crowd via the boat. Why? Because listen, when we listen to God, we are naturally being invited by God to experience more of God. The moment God begins to move in your life, oh church, listen to this. For some, certainly for all of us, I think it's Satan's way of getting people duped on drugs to keep them from getting hooked on Jesus. Because man, when you get hooked on Jesus, there ain't no drug that can come close. And you got to know that. Plus, you don't have a headache in the morning. It's quite wonderful. But I'm telling you something. The, when, the, the more you have of the Lord, the more you want of the Lord. And it's an amazing addiction, a divine addiction. And when you're gathered around and something happens where God begins to move, you've got to have more of them. And that's how he is with his children. We want to experience more of God. And so Jesus is teaching and encouraging them from the word. I'm going to give you two things before we move on to the second point today. Two things under this one. Uh, Number one, listen carefully. There should be two pillars that you should have in your life. That church, we should all be accountable to one another about two pillars, two things, two structures of strength. And it's very simple, but extremely difficult. Number one is our private meeting time with God alone. As a Christian, we should all nurture, fight hard for, set the alarm early for, go to bed if we have to a little early for, make it happen. Look, for me, I gotta put the alarm clock in the other room. I gotta set the coffee pot alarm. You know those awesome, don't you love technology? You can set your coffee pot with an alarm on it and it's in the kitchen and the coffee's going through. It's pretty hard to sleep through a pot of coffee, you know? But that thing goes off and the alarm's going off in the other room. Why do I put the alarm in the other room? I gotta go in the other room to turn it off. Well, now that I'm up, I know what I ought to do now. And it's God time. Pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs, here on Real Life Radio, with a message called, What to Do When Jesus Calls. Thank you for being with us today. You know, this message, What to Do When Jesus Calls, is part of Pastor Jack's new series called The Gospel of Luke. It's a series on the book of Luke and the unveiling of Jesus Christ to this world. And we'll continue on the next edition of Real Life Radio.
Hey, did you know that our nation's beginning wasn't just a time when everything was new and full of promise? You know, best-selling author Nathaniel Philbrick brings to light the real story behind the myth that everything was going as smooth as could be. The book's called Mayflower Voyage Community War. Philbrick helps us make sense of the convoluted mess our nation is in today by giving us the true picture of the history of Plymouth Colony. Instead of the story we already know, Philbrick gives us the story that we need to know. So pick up a copy of Mayflower Voyage Community War by Nathaniel Philbrick and find out what really happened in the troubling and complex beginning of America. Our book of the month, Mayflower Voyage Community War by Nathaniel Philbrick, is yours today for a gift of any amount. And it's available at our website, jackhibbs.com. That's jackhibbs.com. This program is made possible by the generous contributions of you, our listeners. Visit us at jackhibbs.com. That's jackhibbs.com. Until next time, Pastor Jack Hibbs and all of us here at Real Life Radio wish for you solid and steady growth in Christ and in His Word. We'll see you next time here on Real Life Radio.